Hey guys, I want to welcome you to another edition of Halftime Chat. And as I say always, we've got a very special guest, Mr. T.L. Cross, formerly of the R&B group La Day. Um, he's been a songwriter and producer in his own right. And it's going to be really interesting to see, uh, to talk to him, talk about his background and his career. Um, I met up with um, T.L. when he was in London performing and just before Christmas. And uh, yeah, we've got to set this interview up. So look forward to inviting him in and talking to Yes, yes, yes. How you doing, my brother? I'm good. I'm good. How you doing? <laughs> what an impressive background there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I appreciate it, baby. I appreciate it. Oh, yeah. Definitely good to catch up with you since, um, as I did the intro, I was just saying that we met up in London, so it's good to catch up with you uh, after that. How was um, how was the show? Oh, my gosh, man. It was amazing. Shout out to Sophisticated... Um, Strictly Sophisticated. Shout out to Strictly Sophisticated uh, with my guy Courtney and just his whole team, everybody involved. It was amazing. I love London. The first time we went to London was in, I was in high school, you know, we were performing, wow. you know, and this was uh, last year, 2023 was my first time back. My wow. second show last year, but my uh, third time in London and I love London. <laughs> Definitely. Well, we're gonna have to try and see how we can get you back some more times and stuff. Um, but yeah, but you know, just as we start off with it, it's um got an international audience and everyone would like to know where you were sort of born and raised so we can sort of get a sense of where you're from. Yes, man. I am a native New Yorker. All right. Mm. I am a native New Yorker. Um, shout out to Rochester, New York. I was raised in Queens, you know. I've been in Queens practically my whole life, Queens, New York. Uh, you know, those of you who don't know Queens, if you've seen Coming to America, then you know a little something about Queens. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. <laughs> or, 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 or Run yes, DMC. Yes. LL Cool. LL Cool J seems to be the Yes, yes. I did. I think Bryce Wilson from Groove Theory from Queens. Absolutely. Bryce is absolutely from Queens. Shout out to Tribe Called Quest. I have their album right there. Nicki Minaj. I mean, just just so many, so many people from there. A lot of history, man. Wow. What was it like for you growing up as a kid in Queens? Because I think we see, we know Queens from, say, Come to America, with hip-hop talking about it from their perspective. But for yourself, how, what was it like for you growing up as a kid? Oh, man. Growing up as a kid in Queens was... I wouldn't trade it for the world because uh, first, historically, out of Queens, you know, if you go way back, you know, you're talking about jazz musicians who lived there. So we're talking about Count Basie. We're talking about Lena Horne. We're talking about Billie Holiday. We're talking about Ella Fitzgerald, John Coltrane, you know, and then it goes into another era of Queens like, um, uh, uh, let's say, Lenny White, you know, uh, uh, Bernard Wright, you know, um, Let's say Marcus Miller, you know, maybe uh, the Fatback Band. You know what I'm saying? Um, so many different people, you know. And then in between that little clip, you had like Shep and the Limelights, the doo-wop era, Daddy's Home and, you know, stuff like that. So coming up in Queens, it was a rich history, not only with hip hop, but it was a rich history with gospel, a rich history with R&B, doo-wop, jazz uh, and hip hop. And because these styles of music are not just sounds, they're cultures. 
So I mm -hmm. was in the culture where all of that stuff was not only born, but like the incubator of some of those things. And then I'm the son of a of a uh, a musician, a church musician. My father's a minister of music, and my mom's an educator. So my 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 experience in Queens was like go out on the block, block parties, hip hop, DJs, hip hop, you know, culture. Yeah. But then inside my house, you know, my parents are from New Orleans, Louisiana. I had a little bit of that Southern charm, you know, in, in <laughs> cuisine, you know, in the house, you know what I'm saying? But then it was so diverse uh, as far as the black community was concerned until we got a little bit of every type of musical culture in Queens. It just so happened that uh, a lot of hip hop came out of Queens during that period. But I mean, a lot of different styles of music and genre culturally. I was right smack dab in the middle of that. So what was your main influence? Because I said, if hip hop was prominent, did you decide, did you think about being an MC or how did even singing become part of your upbringing? Everybody in my neighborhood was either MC, hip hop dancer, hip hop DJ, <laughs> something, spray paint in my hood. Um, so yeah, I mean, I went through a period of time where I was, you know, I was on the mic, you know, MCing. <laughs> but here's my dichotomy. In the hood, I'm in, I'm in the Queens, you know, you're talking Hollis, Queens, St. Albans, Queens Village, all of these, you know, we, we talking, so when we talk about these areas, we talk about salt and pepper, Queens Village in Jamaica, we talking about Run DMC, Tribe and them, you know, we're talking about all of these different types of hip hop. And yeah, I was a part of that. Um, as a young guy, just, you know, writing little rhymes in my notebook and doing little <laughs> demos and stuff on, you know, with the DJs. But because my father's a musician, he's a songwriter, he's a singer, he's a musician, he's a theologian, he's an author, he's a lecturer. I was singing in church as okay. well in Brooklyn, you know, so we were doing that. And then I was coming back to the neighborhood. So I was always mixing the various cultural types of expression through music, because I was around it all. Was your upbringing, so your, your musical upbringing um, was mainly in church? Oh, yeah. Oh, yes, 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 yes. That that was, that's the, that's the foundation. The foundation, I was right there in that choir law, you know, <laughs> singing in that tenor section and, uh, you know, getting those solos. And when my father was the minister of music at the church, yeah, okay. you know, and some of the songs that I sang, he wrote. You know, because he was also, uh, you know, my dad's also a a a, 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 a songwriter and a, an arranger and a composer. And he's written songs that are sung in churches all around America, you know, right now. You know, and I was a part of something really special. I didn't realize how special it was, but oh, I was singing. I was in church. I was singing. I was playing. I was, I was doing some playing as well. It, it, just out of curiosity, did you have an option, a choice? I mean, is this something you wanted to? To do or something you had to do uh the 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 church part or the singing in church part um the singing in church yeah yeah the singing part of it, yeah um you know what so i didn't remember this i thought the way i recalled it because i was singing as early as five mm -hmm. you know in church and i recalled it i thought that i was told to do it but my brother who is now a pastor you know in a church uh saint albans congregational church here in queens um, he's my big brother. He okay. reminded me that my father asked us, do you want to sing? He said, he said, no, 
I said yes. Now, he was just as good as a singer as me, but I guess he reminded me that I did, I was asked, and I said that I that I wanted to do it. So I guess I, I guess I made a choice. It was just an early, an early life choice. But, yeah, but yeah, yeah. I made a choice. Yeah. But but it, but how was it for you? Did, did you enjoy doing it? Because as I said, I've interviewed others who have grown up in a church and it was a, a chore at first yeah. and they got grew to love it. But for yourself, yeah. was it how did you how, how did was it for you? You know, it wasn't a chore. It wasn't a chore okay. because I loved it. I loved music. My my earliest memories, period, are of music. I remember music more than I remember people sometimes in my earlier life. Mm. Do you remember Mr. So-and-so, so-and-so? And I say no. But if you talk about a song that was out during that time, I'll remember mm. the song, though. You know what I'm saying? So I was yeah. so into music until having the opportunity to sing. Now, I'll tell you this. I was nervous. I used to get really, really nervous. I used to feel like, man, I'm gonna have a heart attack right here. They're gonna take me out on the stretcher, you know what I'm saying? Like out of the sanctuary <laughs> as I'm singing this song. That's how nervous I would get. So the only part about it that was scary was the nerves before going on. I wanted to do it though. I did want to do it. I, you know, so it was about me overcoming it. I don't think it was a chore because, like I said, my father was a minister of music and I admired him. I mean, I I just watch him sing and play and do all those things I, that was admirable to me so for me to get up there and do it was uh was big for me you know then as a kid playing and singing and uh, but outside there's all this stuff happening with hip-hop and it's taking off what are you what's what's a 15 year old tale deciding to do say it again so while you're singing and developing your craft as in singing but then hip pop is taking off what is your what are you thinking about do i do you want to then you know see a career in that or you, was your passion to the job to be at work in the church or what, what what was it what was the idea that's a great question man early on i did want to be a church musician because that's what i saw that's what i saw my father doing yeah. so and i knew that i was moving in that direction um but Here's the interesting thing. I'm a minister of music at a church today. That's what I, I'm literally doing what my father did. I do that today. So okay. apparently I was moving in that direction. I didn't realize it because it's kind of like a calling, but no, I didn't, I didn't look at music as a career um, at all. You know, growing up, I looked at it as a hip hop was always just like a cultural expression, something that was in the neighborhood. Yeah. Um, I just looked at it as something that people just do. Singing is something that we enjoy and we just do. I, I wasn't calculated in the in the beginning. I was not calculated. I was just singing because I guess I could. I was singing because I could. You know, I was rapping because I, I felt like I could. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I was, you know, doing those things. So I didn't get serious about that until right around eighth grade. Eighth grade is when I got into that group, La Day. Eighth grade. That's when I decided, well, this is a thing. You know, there are groups out here. Like, there are groups. This is literally what they do in their career. Maybe maybe we could do that. You know, we admired a lot of those groups. So we got together and we started. But I was in the eighth grade. That was when, that was when it clicked with me, like, to do okay. it, you know?
So to give us some context around what year that was, what year was the, what were you, were you in the eighth grade? My brother, you are making me work right now. <laughs> so we're trying to see who was out musically. So, you know, I was in the, it was in the nineties. So I'll put it to you this way. When, when I was in the eighth grade, the groups that we looked up to yeah. was Jodeci and okay. Boys. So are we so, talking about their first album? in 91 so this uh, is for my lady and and motown well, well when they came out with that album i was a little younger i wasn't in la day yet when they came out with their first album i wasn't we weren't that hadn't started yet when the album came out by the time they got to their second album so we were the mad band and two albums that was about 93 93 okay was the, is that what it was okay so yeah. Yeah, we ninety three, ninety four. Yeah. Okay, ninety four. That that sounds that's sound ninety four yeah. is trying. But by the time that album came along, we were La Day. Like we were La Day. We were up and we had a record deal. By the time that no, we uh by the, that second album was out. Yeah, I think we had a I think we had a record deal. By okay, the time so this albums were out, yeah. So then, uh, how did? You then what happened in high school then? I guess eighth grade people would want to know, okay, are you saying the, the four of you guys were in the same school? No. So we all went to the same church. That <laughs> we met that, that's why I'm saying the foundation was literally the church. Um we my brother when it, when La Day first started, my brother was in it. My big brother was in it. Shout out okay. to Eli the third Trey. And there was a talent show in Brooklyn. And so uh myself my brother and my my man Darren, who's one of my greatest friends to this day, um, also lived in Queens. We were my brother was in a talent show. He was with a a group. He wasn't taking it seriously. He was just you know mm -hmm. they were in a talent was just singing in a talent show you know. Mm -hmm. And me, Darren, and Trey, we used to sing at Darren's house. We just used to get together and just sing. We weren't serious, you know. They were. I'm in the eighth grade, but they're like. They're like 18. You know what I'm saying? Oh. Uh, yeah. So, you know, I was the youngest by far, you know. So when I would the tag along, I was the tag along with my brother. So oh. we'd okay. sing at Aaron's house, harmonize. And then ultimately one day we went to a rehearsal, bro. We went to a rehearsal and my brother was singing with this group and they were trying to do Stay by Jodeci. And the group couldn't get the harmony. And so Darren, myself, and my brother, we said, yo, let's show them how the harmony goes. We do it in the car all the time and at the house. So we did this. We did stay as like a three-part harmony, the forget about yesterday because I want you so bad. We did that part. And one of the guys from that group, I don't remember the name of the group, but one of the guys from the group said, oh, that doesn't sound good. Yo, and so Darren got really mad. He got offended. So we got back in the <laughs> car and said, you know what? He said, yo, Trey, my brother, you should leave that group. We should get in this talent show and beat those guys. And so they said, all right, all right, cool. You know, and it was the three of us. So we said, but we're doing Jodeci. So we need a fourth guy that can be in it. There was a guy from our church who was actually a DJ, um, Quint, LaQuinta Saxton. And we said, um, 
you want to be in the group? And he said, yeah. They reluctantly had me in the group, bro, because I was so so much younger. <laughs> they were like, he's a, he, we're going to be cute because he's a kid, you know? But ultimately, we got up in there, and me and my brother was like the JoJo and KC of the situation, you know what oh, I mean? The two singers. <laughs> and, uh, you know, for that talent show, you know, and yeah. we, we won, you know? And I still have that trophy, and that was when something clicked. This could be something, you know. I mean, and up to then, what what were you thinking about doing before that opportunity? Before that, I don't know that I was serious about anything in particular outside of, you know, the the music of the church. You know, maybe okay. because because see, my idols. I'll say our idols. When I say my idols, when I say our idols, I'm talking about all of us. All yeah. of our other groups, all every group you will you will you can have sit down right here, yeah. from the nineties. I'm not not necessarily the eighties, but from the nineties. If you have a a group member sit right here, they will tell you about commissioned. Yeah, that's what we were all about. Commissioned, take take six the whinings, all of those male groups that came out of gospel and those male singers that came out of gospel. We all wanted to be like them, even when we mm. all got record deals. We sang all their ad libs and all their in all their harmonies, you yeah. know. Yeah, I mean, I've I've, I've, I've um, had Claude McKnight from Take Six on, oh. and just just find out that why how is it that you guys, everyone seems to just say that they saw Take Six as like, you know, they wanted to be like you guys, and for them it was like they didn't really, you know, that to them was the singing was just something they just enjoyed doing. But for yourself, yeah. was was that? Yeah, I mean, and I've always heard about commissioned and and how they changed our gospel for you know they made our, they made gospel cool. Yes, they did. Listen, listen, they are between take six. I say between commission one take six in the winings because the winings is like the OGs to commissioned. You know, commission was in was in, inspired and influenced by the winings. You know, and they had a you know a, a direct connection with Detroit, and then with the women, it was uh, the Clark sisters, who okay. were also out of Detroit. They were all from Detroit, you know, and they were doing something different. But that cluster right there, they're really responsible in a lot of ways for modern R and B groups, all right, and solo artists. You know, a lot mm -hmm. of solo artists will sit here and tell. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Uh, you know, I can name them, you know, that would sit here and tell you, oh, we were listening to Commission. I was listening to Commission. If you if you put all the, the male groups from the 90s in one room, yeah, and one of them just started singing a Commission song, we will all <laughs> know all that. We will literally know all yeah. the arrangements, where the leads go. Who's to, I mean, we, 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 <laughs> that, that was, we studied it, you know? What about when uh, the whinings went to Teddy and did It's Time and Don't Stay and Don't Leave Me and, and stuff? Did, 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 how, as coming from the church, did they say, oh, this is a little too too no. worldly or what was that? Not mine. Not my church. Like the, the church that I was at was St. Paul Community Baptist Church in East New York, Brooklyn. And um, no, they didn't say that. My... my uh, my my father was so progressive as the minister of music as the church, you know, at the yeah. church. He was so progressive until in 1983, him and a woman by the name of I love her dearly, um, 
Kathy Hall, a preacher out of Philadelphia, they wrote a song called The Rap Song, which they taught children the books of the Bible in rap form. Now, you got to think about that. That's 1983. This is really before rap took off and went where it ultimately ended up going. So yeah. to think that we were doing that, my father created that, they created that in the church environment. And it was a hit. People loved it in that environment. So much so that um, Robert Duvall, uh, the actor, he did a movie yeah. called The Apostle. And they used that song, the, 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 the children rap song in the movie while they were building a church. That's my father. My father and Kathy Hall wrote that. Just to let you know how progressive um, they were around. My father's favorite singers uh, was always Donnie Hathaway and Stevie Wonder, musician-wise. You know what I'm saying? So that I grew up with gospel, but I grew up with my father's record collection, which was everybody. Osley Brothers, Otis Redding, Sam Cooke. The list went on and on. So, nah, man, we were from an environment where they they embraced the wine is getting with Teddy Riley because Teddy Riley <laughs> sounds like gospel. He sound like gospel. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Teddy was it. Teddy will probably tell you he was inspired and influenced by the Winans and some of that Detroit gospel progressive sound. So them getting together made nothing but perfect sense. Yeah, I mean it was a global hit. I was in um, I think I was in Nigeria when its time came out, and that was massive around the world. Um, and I and I actually hadn't heard of the Winans until until that. Uh, we sing that. We sing that song first. <laughs> it's, it's time to make a change. We sing that song in church. Yeah, the the part where Carvin Carvin is the high voice guy. Yeah, uh, that was me because my voice hadn't changed. I was a kid. Wow. Okay, so you guys was I, still baby <laughs> singing in church. That's, yeah. the, that's the part they gave me. Everything else was too low. <laughs> <laughs> well, so. When Lade formed then, did you think, okay, we're going to be a gospel group like Commissioned? Or what was you, what was the, or did you think, okay, you know, even though Kate, Jodeci came from the church, we're going to go, <laughs> what, was the, what was the idea? You know what? I think when we first started, it was possible that we were going to do gospel. I remember um, we were fans of like Jodeci and Mary J. Blige and Heavy D and Guy. So we loved Uptown Records. This is the first <laughs> time ever anywhere. We created a, we had a microphone and that was plugged directly into like some type of a radio or something. And we, and we all got around the microphone and sing a gospel song. And we sent it to Uptown Records, never heard back. But that was a gospel <laughs> song we sung. And we were open. I think we were open to being a gospel group. But being that they were like 18, 19-ish, they were, they were smack dab in the middle of chasing girls, man. So <laughs> notice he came out and they were like, boys and men, they came out and they were like a boys, uh, they were like a commissioned and like a take six in a whinings. But they were talking about you and I will never fall apart. I, I knew, right, you know, sorry I left you crying. Like it was like this might work. <laughs> this might work. This might work. Wow. So I mean, when you guys came together, how did you settle on the four that finally 
made up like they and and officially even come up with the name. Shout out, shout out to all the tenors <laughs> at the church. <laughs> because I'm gonna tell you how it really happened, man. I'm gonna tell you how it really went down. There was a couple of groups that they were that were trying to do their thing in my church. And Darren and my brother, they were all involved in it. I was never in that because I was a, I was in a different kind of generation. Uh, mm. So there was a couple of groups, you know, shout out to my my guy, Reverend Melvin Anderson um, and uh, Spry and uh, a guy by the name of Taye Samuel. Um, these were some of the guys that they all kind of sang together. And I think at some point, when I was hanging with my brother and Darren um, and we would harmonize together, I think Darren and my brother would say, little man is good though. Like he's, he's, he's good. You know what I'm saying? Like he's, he, he's good, you know? And he, man, he could, he could do all that. I mean, he could do all that stuff they're doing. Like we, okay. And so it was the three of us in that talent show. It was the talent show okay. went into that said, it's going to be us three. And then we want to get one more guy. They said they wanted to ask Quint. They asked him. He said he would do it. And when he said that, we just started uh, rehearsing right in Queens and right in Brownsville, Brooklyn. Those are the two places that we used to rehearse. And how did you guys do you, And you guys, was, was it a, a, a sort of a slam win or was it close? Oh, no, no, no. We we won bar none, man. Like we we won, you know, and, and, and it went on. You know, we won. It was like the local talent show. And then... They went from there to the 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 citywide one. Then we won that one, and then it went to statewide, and then wow. we won that one, and then it went to nationwide, and we got disqualified. That's, that's how we didn't win. But let me tell you who did win. There was an actor by the name of Makai Pfeiffer. Makai oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Makai Pfeiffer, he was in the rap category. He's been in uh, the movie, movies like Paid in Full, movies yeah, like yeah, Soul. Yeah. yeah. He was in the rap category. And so, you know, we want a rematch because we think we would have <laughs> <won. laughs> we were We were disqualified because they said, whatever song you do at the rehearsal, you must do at the show. And right before the show started, we were backstage and was like, you know what? we got to do this new thing we've been working on. And we did this new thing and that caused our disqualification. Did you know that you could get disqualified? Yes. I think we did know, but I think we kind of <laughs> felt like, you know, we, we were being rebels, you know what I'm saying? Like we were being rebels. It was like, we're going to make them, you know, like, you know, but I think part of it was that part of it was also just probably being young, never do anything like this before we tried it. We lost, but not before we realized we got something because the place were going crazy for us, you know, and that gave us all the confidence in the world to actually pursue music for real. Wow. So uh, did Mikhail, did he win in, in the rap category? Mikhail Pfeiffer won. He won. <laughs> he won the whole thing because what happened was um, he used to come in at every level we were in the same talent shows, but it was categorized. And okay. it was, he would win for the rap category. We would win for the singing category. And then there was the dance category. And then you get all them together. And then you say, out of these, okay, 
um, who wins. And he didn't go up against, so we got disqualified. So a different person got first place for vocal. And he went against that guy. Okay. And, and, you know, and then he won against that guy. He ain't go against us, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> that's a McCloud Pfeiffer. He's actually one of my all-time favorite actors and um in an early friend in 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 I'll come up. Yeah, man. Wow. Yeah. Uh what about the name? How did the name come about then? Who came up with the name? Lade. Um, you know what? We lied for so many years. I'm now I'm gonna finally tell you how that name came about, man. We lied about that name. Um <laughs> You know, they're going to kill me. You know what, though? It's been so long. So <laughs> came up with that name in the eighth grade in my little notebook, just trying to write different things down. And because we were so we were such big fans of Jodeci. See, I came up with the name when it was just the three of us, me, uh. my brother, and Darren. All right. Um, My name, my government. All right. <laughs> government name. <laughs> my government name. My government is um Lavar Antoine. That's my first and middle name. Um that's L A. Um was Darren. I we took D A from his D A R R E N. And then we put the E on there for my brother Trey, which his name is Eli. That became La Day. Once Quint got into the group, uh his name is Laquintis, L-A-Q-U-E-N-T-I-S. And uh, no, I think I spelled that wrong, but it's definitely L-A, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so we put him, he represents the L-A, D for Darren, A for my middle name, A for my middle name, and then E for my brother. Here's how we started lying. When we got a record deal, and I'm jumping ahead, but when we got halfway through our first album, my brother... And he left the group and he went into college. Oh. We got a guy named Brian Palmer, one of my closest friends to this very day. He came into the group. That's who people know La Day for, Brian being in the group. Once he came into the group, the name thing no longer worked. Okay. So tell this lie, man. We used to just say, yeah, you know, we just invented a word. <laughs> We wanted to we because our sound doesn't have a there's no word that describes our sound. So we just <laughs> created a word and that word will define our sound. And they were like, oh my God, that's that's brilliant. <laughs> that's deep. That's brilliant. And that's what we did, man. But that's that's the real story. Oh, uh, but you think if you think about Jodeci, even Dalvin said he wasn't in there. So it was only later on when they're like, Yeah, join in. So <laughs> yeah. I tell you, Dalvin used to say, he used to say. They said, how'd you get the name? He used to say, J-O for JoJo, D-E for Dalvin and Devontae. And we were like, hmm, I don't know if that works. But okay. Okay, okay. Same thing, same thing happened to us. It just, it worked better for them because at least Dalvin had a D in his name. D yeah, yeah. Dalvin and Devontae. So it worked a little bit more. But with us, it couldn't work at all. So we it just, <laughs> okay. just lied. But then, you, so how did you then get the, um, how did you guys get discovered where somebody did come? I think it was Ireland that first came to you guys. So how did oh, that whole thing come? Shout out to them, man. So here's what happened. 
go back to the church. There was a, one of the guys who my dad hired was a man by the name of Ashley Davis. Um, Ashley had a, a little uh, brother named Adrian Davis who had a who had a gospel singing career. But Ashley Davis was one of my father's musicians. And um, he knew a man named James Manis and Jojo Brim. They were brothers. All right. James Manis and Jojo Brim, um, they had an affiliation with Uptown Records. All right. Ooh. They he worked at Uptown, you know, and uh, Jojo was in a group called FS Effect. And they had a song called I Want to Be Your Lover. Where jo Little known fact is a group <laughs> called FS Effect. And they're a rap group. They had a song featuring Christopher Williams called I Want to Be Your Lover. And JoJo and Casey are singing the background vocals. The ad-libs are Christopher Williams. And the rap group is called FS Effect. Mm -hmm. uh, Hollywood D was the lead, was one of the lead rappers in that. His name is JoJo Brim. And um, we met those guys. And they also happened to be family with Albie Shore as well. They're all from Mount Vernon. Okay, all right. Okay. Mount Vernon. So we came into the business through some Mount Vernon cats. So I always have love for Mount Vernon to this very day. And uh, they happened to hear our songs because we were writing the songs ourselves. We were writing them wow. and I was, and, you know, Quint was doing some production as well. And they heard us and they wanted to shop us. They took us to a label at the time called Polydor. Polydor yeah, Records. Yeah, Polydor, yeah. Polydor had an AR by the name of Leotis Clyburn, who is my manager right now. Okay. Wow. Leotis Clyburn, I was in eighth grade when I met Leotis, and he was the AR. We got signed to Polydor, which was a part of Polygram. Mm. In the middle of that album, Polydor and Island either merged or Island yeah. bought Polydor out. Or something happened with that. And so we ended up on island. That's so that's that's the okay. connection. Okay. Yeah. So there's a lot of mergers and stuff and happening in that time. So if this so but this I guess slowly going back, what was your dad saying when he was like you guys actually trying to pursue a record deal and, and stuff? Yo, man, shout out to my my dad. My father practically was like our manager. Oh, so because, he was fine with it. Oh man, okay. like listen. My father, you know, as I said, my father's favorite singers is Donnie Hathaway and Stevie Wonder. My father loves Luther Vandross. You know, my my dad, you know, we always grew up on. See, my father looked at it like this. He would put it like this. He would say, I don't have a problem with you singing secular music. He said, because, you know, oftentimes a person will turn to their woman and say, I love you. And everybody would say, oh, that's beautiful. But the minute they put a melody with it, somebody has a problem with it. You know what I'm saying? Nothing yeah. wrong with it. It's just you professing feelings through music. Mm -hmm. And so become an R&B singer, that's who you are. I'm sorry, when you become an R&B singer, that's what you do. A yeah. man of God, that's who you are. So mm -hmm. you don't have to leave who you are to do what you do. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And so my father, I was a minor. So my father was like our manager. Like he literally, wherever we went, he went. You know, he had to sign off on any and everything I did. Because La Day okay. kind of spanned eighth grade to 12th grade for me. Wow. Yeah. And 
and and having your dad there um how much did he know of the actual business elements of the publishing and and recording rights by the time we did this my father had had an album out introducing Eli Wilson as a gospel recording artist. So my father uh, recorded on his own record label. He had a publishing company um, wow. with all of that. So my my dad had a home. My father had a home studio in the 80s. That wasn't wow. common in the You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. That's the environment I came from. I came from an environment with my father. Everything that I've done in my life, he's done it first. Wow. You know? So... He was very helpful to us. And then I asked that because when I asked Dalvin, because their parents still record still record gospel music now, he said that dad could tell him everything about the studio. But when it came to the business and publishing, they had no idea. And so that's why I was wondering, like, Jodeci left Uptown because they realized they were so popular, but they had no money. For yeah. yourself, you said you knew earlier. <laughs> Well, well, let me let me let me now dig a little bit deeper into that. So I understood what publishing was. What my father wasn't um uh exposed to and what we weren't exposed to was the type of cunning person <laughs> you will run into in the music industry. This has nothing to do with Leotis Clyburn. Leotis Clyburn was the greatest person we came across in when it came to record companies but uh later on just various different things the ins and outs of certain things no we didn't know about that and you know you know you watch tv and you see movies and you see shady characters in the music <laughs> you know what i'm saying fast talking industry executive yeah, yeah. And, and we knew about that was that real who knows we didn't go into it trusting everybody but you look at a contract, man. I mean, the the fine, you know, the 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 all these little points in the jargon in the legalese and some mm -hmm. of the stuff that it, 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 it's 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 a lot. And then you take people in situations where it's like, man, I just want to sing. I just want to get out there and do my thing, you know. And then they say, well, right here it says anywhere in the universe blah 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 so you say well who cares and they're like well that means <laughs> the planet and they still own <laughs> we're like listen we don't plan on leaving the planet anytime soon. let's just get the studio and rock out and that was that was some of the those are some of the things that happened with a lot of us you know we didn't understand many of us just how deep and how uh shrewd this language was that we didn't know you know what I'm saying? And in some instances, wow. it explained to us, and we still are like, yeah, yeah, I get it. But listen, if it was good enough for Joe to see, it's good enough for us. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Um, I told you, I, told, I interviewed Claude, uh, Claude McKnight. They got signed to um, Warner Brothers Country. So they were performing. The head of country music saw them and said, I want to sign you guys. He didn't, he was doing country, he took them to Nashville, gave them one of the Nashville contracts, which was, yeah, you pretty much, you know, you get all the good stuff and just let them do their stuff. Their first album blew up. 
but and everyone from Warner Bros. New York says, "Hey, what's going on? Grammys and everything." And so and then it, 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 so it was almost as if so. You mean to say that they gave you a country music contract, which meant you get pretty much everything, and that's yeah. why they were so successful compared to if they had signed in New York and they, they would have been, yeah. Uh, you know, and there's a there there is, and let me be clear about that. There is a racial component to that. You know that when you because some of the same uh, agencies they would represent some of the R and B artists and some of the hip hop artists and then some of the country artists and they would say they would say that country music contracts look different. Yeah. Same industry, it looks different, but in in the end, uh, we were we were getting the short end of the stick a lot. You know, so mm -hmm. if you go in into Nashville and you're getting a contract like you're giving Nashville country singers, that's ideal. Like but that's what yeah. yeah, you know, that's ideal. Yeah. And so as I said, that's that was, you know, that's why they were able to get their publishing sorted and everything. And it they didn't expect much. It was actually it was just a vanity product. The the head of country just liked what he saw he got touched by it and said let me just put you guys out yeah i mean you know may maybe maybe god was moving through the people who gave them those contracts because like <laughs> i mean and, and that's the thing that's interesting man because you know i've worked with you know one of my plaques here i don't know if you could one of my plaques yeah. is yolanda i've worked with yolanda adams yolanda adams is a hero of mine i mean she's so amazing you mm -hmm. know worked with her jimmy and terry jam and lewis uh, we'll, you know, get to that, I guess, later. Yeah. But the 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 gospel music industry, I've always admired and I've always, uh, uh, you know, uh, was moved by a lot of the music, you know, and I always wondered what were, later I wondered, what are their deals like? What are their record deals like? What is their publishing situations like? I did wonder that, you know, so I, I didn't know that about Take Six. Yeah, but as I said, they, they signed to Niceville in Niceville. So, uh, you know, to just... It does show the difference between um, it. Not only and who have I? I, I remember listening to uh, uh, DJ Carl Kent when he got signed to, when he was working for um, uh, uh, Electra Records with um, um, with, um, with Sylvia Roan, and he saw the contracts and he was like, "Oh, what's going on?" And she said, "Hey, it's not our job to teach them the business." Yeah. It, it's their job to learn and understand and know what they're signing. And he was, you know, troubled by it, but he had to be the company guy. And it, yeah. and it seems as if, you know, there's that sense of, hey, you want the opportunity, you get yourself the advice. Yeah, the, the best advice, the best thing that I've ever heard somebody say is, um, before I say this, let me just put it in some context. When we got our second deal, which was with Motown, um, the our lawyer was a man, Larry Rudolph. And Larry Rudolph, I mean, he went on to manage, like, let's say, uh, Britney Spears and, like, all these different groups and stuff mm -hmm. that went up and popped. But Larry Rudolph told us, he said, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but there was a part of a contract because it was more than one contract at the same time. It was a production contract, okay. a contract, and it was a publishing contract. Okay, 
I won't get into the specifics, but I but I'll say with one of them, he said, I wouldn't sign this. This I wouldn't sign. And he said, uh, I'm gonna say this without man. He 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 marked it up, you know? And then when they got it back, they said, What is all this markups? And you guys are gonna lose your opportunity. And then you feel pressure at a teenager. Mm. You know what I'm saying? This is this is it. This is your only shot. So, and everybody's signing it. They're all doing it. You know, it's that kind of thing. But I, the best advice I've ever been given was by a man named Tyrone Williams, uh, someone who I really deeply admire. Tyrone Williams is he ran Cold Chilling Records. So this mm. would be Big Daddy Kane, Bismarcky, Roxanne Chante, mm. and Big Daddy. You know, so he said. It is the labels, the labels lawyer is going to create a contract that leans heavily in favor of the label. You get a lawyer and your lawyer wants to get it to lean in your direction. In the in the end, y'all are supposed to come to a middle ground or agree. In time, Ron Williams said, if you can't get to that point where you agree, leave it alone. And that is where the hard part is for a lot of the artists, especially in that time, because it wasn't, there was no hop on YouTube and become a star, hop on yeah, Instagram, yeah. Or hop on TikTok. On average, the average person will never meet someone who had a, who, who got a record deal at that time. It was that yeah. rare of an occurrence to have a record deal and then come out and be on the radio, yeah. on television, that was just, that was rare. That was holy ground. That was rare. Mm -hmm. So that's that's what happened to so many young people when it came to signing those contracts. We have to remember those contracts were signed. Everybody was young, very yeah. young. You no? Know? Yeah. And as you said, it doesn't matter how much you know, there's always stuff that they'll they'll get you on. And uh, there's always ways that they'll, they'll you know, they, they've been in it long, long, long time. And uh, and actually, the more you know, the the less supported they become. I think Shanice, when she when I interviewed her, she mentioned because her mom knew about the business, the label started to say, you know, we don't want to deal with this. Let me tell you something. I saw that happen with so many different people. Um I, in fact, I put it to you this way. We were in a restaurant one time, myself, Brian, and Darren. And we just came off of Get It On Tonight. You know, my, you know, and mm. we were in a restaurant with Terry Lewis. And Terry said, this is when I really said, I, we had just met him. This is when I said, this could last for a long time. And I still work with Jimmy and Terry. Terry said, you know what I like about y'all? Y'all know the business. And then we said, wow, that's interesting because most people don't want to work with us because we know the business. And he said, if somebody doesn't want to work with you because you know the business, then that means that they were not going to do right by you. That's what that means. He said, mm -hmm. but when I see that you guys know the business... It feels good because I say that's less things I have to explain to them, mm. you know? Yeah.
Wow. Yeah, I mean, as, as I said, you know, Jimmy and Terry living legends uh, as they are. But but before we get to them, then you oh, guys yeah. get to um, when you guys sign with I, 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 well Island. Um, how does Albert Show come on board? <laughs> oh, so we had met Al earlier. Then there was a there was a period of time where we were working with both. Well, how how do I put this? Uh, we we went on the road with Alvy Shaw. I was still in the eighth grade. We went on the road. <laughs> was he was he promoting? Um, was it um, Sexy Versus? Sexy Versus had already been out. Okay. So I don't know if he had anything current, but that was the last thing that he had had. So the okay. most current thing that he was singing was like right, right now. now. I love yeah. that. Yeah, song. yeah, yeah. yeah. Brilliant songwriter and producer. Yeah. I've learned so much from Al B. Shaw. Shout out to Al. And I'm so proud of him, you know, to see him make this comeback with his health. Yeah. Because no matter what we have planned in life, we can't do it unless we have our health. So to yeah. see him back on stage singing, dancing, yeah. and all that. Yeah. Like, don't hurt yourself now. Don't hurt yourself. You know, say you ain't. <laughs> 19 no more but but it's great to see him back i went on the road we went on the road with al b shaw singing bro i was singing night and day <laughs> we were <was>, yeah. <laughs> we singing if i'm not your lover uh what was the other song um uh, rescue me rescue me yeah yeah uh, misunderstanding off, off on your own off on your own girl yeah yeah but doing those songs, man. And then Al would have, because I was like a novelty. He would say, yo, dude is 13. Come here. <laughs> Sing this right quick. And I would be singing. <laughs> I would be singing. And that's literally how I made a name. A lot of these wow. young, a lot of these guys, Dave, Hunter, people that was really cool with Al, that's how they got to know me. They got to know me through Al. Al B. Short. Wow. And Al B. was the one who was talking Oh, you got Jojo, you got Casey, you got Dave, you got this one, you got that one. Little Tone. Little Tone. That's how my name kind of started ringing bells among like the elite vocalists that I admire through Al B. Short. All right. So uh, um, around that time, man, we started working and writing with Bad Boy at that time. So Usher's album was uh, Usher. That was the name of it. The name of the album was Usher. And uh, it was his debut, you know, and I wrote oh, on yes, that. Yeah, okay, okay. Uh, um, oh, I mean, oh, yeah, is that was the one I had Devante do. Um, Hawks, can you get Hawks, with it? And can you get with it? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Okay. And I know I'll be sure that album with many ways. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, so who, who are you, who, who did you write with alongside? side then track masters i'll make it right was the name of the song and i sang on it i did the reference work as well and i uh if uh faith faith evans faith yeah. because faith was also another i'll be sure camp yes, yes, person yes, yes yes yeah so it's faith was you know we that's that was the band that was the bounce back and forth it was the Alvy Shaw camp the bad boy camp and it was like you're writing over here and referencing over here Alvy Shaw would pay me um to 
I would go from my school. <laughs> I would go to this, <laughs> I would go from my school, go to the hit factory or something, and wow. I would be singing songs before everybody. So like the songs that he was selling to like a lot of the artists, I was singing them first. I was being paid to do the reference work. Oh, like for Tevin Campbell as well, and oh, not Tevin, because by like... the time Tevin was a little before my time. Okay, with going out. All right, um. But it was the it was the latest stuff he did. Um, some of the one twelve stuff. Even there was a song called um, "This Is Your Day" on their first album. Yeah, I yeah, did yeah, that, yeah. I did that song first, but I all but there was there was four songs that only one made it on. That was that one. But there were four songs that one twelve recorded with Al B. "This Is Your Day" was the one that got chosen. There was another one oh. called "Erase Days." Al then recorded that later on the New York Undercover soundtrack. I sang that one first. There was another one song, I Miss You In My Life, that me and Faith sang, that 112 recorded. We referenced it. 112 recorded it. Then there was another song called Love The Lady. I'm in love with you, lady, now, but now that it's gone, it's too late. Those songs never saw the light of day. I still have them. I have me singing them, and I have 112 singing them. You know, wow. uh, Gil, Johnny Gill, the Let's Get The Mood Right album, um, uh, I, the song was called "For You Alone." You know, I'm, uh, you know, I'm. So that's what I was doing. I was working with Al. Al would have a song. He'd come through. Uh, I'd come through to the studio, and I'd sing the song he wrote. Before me, it was Dave Hollister, and before Dave Hollister it was Jojo and Casey, and uh, and what I was doing it was Faith Evans, as the woman. Okay, wow. And was Kyle was Kyle West there as well, or just Al? Thousand percent. Thousand percent. Yeah. Cal wasn't Cal wasn't always physically there, but all of the music was his though. Yeah, yeah. Cause Cal, yeah, yeah. I love Cal. He he's he didn't like the crowd and the noise. He so he'd lay down the music and then I'll go do the lyrics. I I you know what? I completely relate to Cal West in that way. <laughs> I completely relate to him. I get it, you know. And then plus there was a lot of things going on just in the industry in general mm. that Cal Cal wasn't a part of that. You know, Kyle wasn't going to get, he wasn't going to get down with that, you know, and, and, and I, and I have a kindred spirit with him in reference to that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I've had, uh, he's, he's come on twice and he's just, an, in fact, when he came on the second time, I'll be sure joined in because he, you know, they hadn't spoken for. Put me up, put me in contact with Cal. Love Cal. Yeah. Cal had a song. Okay. Yeah. There's a track that I that I I'm trying to get my hands on. I used to just listen to it all day. Um, it was a, a it was a track that he had done, and it ultimately ended up on somebody's album. I don't remember who. It was a woman. It ended up on a woman's album. But I used to just listen to the track by itself every day, wow. and I used to just love it. I want to get that track again, and I want to find out who was that that he got <laughs> that he sold it on because Kyle West is a genius. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because he took his, his his classical music, and then you know they said he sat under Teddy for just inspiration. But yeah, he yeah, just but he's yeah, you could even now he just reserved didn't you know didn't like the whole industry stuff. Um, but at this time when you were doing this reference stuff, were you also learning to write? When I'll, I'll give you put or you he just wanted you to do the reference vocals. No, okay, so. I had been writing songs since I was about nine in performing. Okay. All right. When we got into it and we got a deal um, over there at Polydor Island, um, 
those were songs that were written and co-written by me. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Uh, so working with Al, oh, Al would, he would always allow me to chime in with ideas. If I had ideas, he would allow me to, you know, chime in, you know, on the idea and stuff and, you know, this here and that there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But, but he was, so the, he was, he was the mastermind though. He was the mastermind. Oh, so then when you guys got the deal at, at Island, did, did, did they say, okay, who, who are you going to get to produce or did they, how did. No, no, because we, our demo at the time, <laughs> it had all songs that we had done and they felt like the songs were hits, you know, shout out to Lil Otis Clyburn because they didn't have that. Ah, they got to get somebody established to do it and blah, blah. They were like, no, these guys, mm -hmm. uh, these guys can write hits. And again, we were being uh, asked to write for bad boy artists with them, um, you know. So we were we were being we were in the mix as writers too. Yeah. So they did, so the label knew this, so they were like, okay, we'll give you, we'll let you guys create. But then, why didn't that come out then? No, that first album. So let's see, uh, we were with Jimmy Jimmy Manus, uh, those same guys that I said we met, James Manus and JoJo Brim. Um, we were on their production company label. It was a boutique label, uh, Manus Entertainment, which was signed to Polydor, ultimately Island. But that first album was called The Moment. It did get, it did, it did come out. You know, it was a few uh, singles and um, a few singles, a couple of singles. And our first uh, song, we had a video that was uh. Uh, uh, shot and directed by Antoine Fuqua before he became the great yeah, Antoine Fuqua. Yeah, Trinity Day. Yeah, they, yeah. They did just did um, what's that um, with Denzel Equalizer? I think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So he he was he 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 did our video, you know, and he hadn't mm -hmm. moved to movies yet, you know, and I knew who he was. I knew that he was Harvey Fuqua's son. All right, because uh, in Harvey being from the Moonglows, you know, that doo-wop group in which Marvin Gaye was a part of, you know, and then when Harvey Fuqua took help to bring Marvin Gaye over to Motown and, and, and he was with Marvin, when Marvin won his uh, Grammy in 1983-ish uh, for uh, Sexual Healing, I know Sexual Healing was 82, but when he won his Grammy for that, yeah. Harvey Fuqua he mentions Harvey because Harvey never stopped working with Marvin Gaye, you know? And so Antoine Fuqua, if you ever get a chance to interview him, you should ask him about Marvin Gaye because Marvin Gaye was like an uncle to him. Wow. Yeah. Antoine Fuqua. Yeah. So when he was there, he was like, yeah, you guys, you know, I want you guys to do some harmony. Da, da, da. And I knew that he came from a background of his father being a doo-wop singer in a group that ultimately Marvin Gaye was in. Oh, so Okay. Yeah. Now the album never came out. The one on Motown, that one never came out. The first one did. The moment. Uh, so the one on Island came out. That, had that, one, that one. No, no, no. So Party Tonight was on the one on Motown. So that first one, we never. Al B never. Okay. So when we got signed to Island, we weren't mm -hmm. with. Al. So we had a relationship with Al. We had been on the road with him and everything. Somehow or another, we ended up getting a record deal outside of Albie Shore. Uh, okay. I don't know how 
you know, but he wasn't a part of it, you know. Um, we went on Motown, uh, I'm sorry, we went on, we went on Island, Polydor Island, and we did that first album and it was cool. Party Tonight came around two years later on the next album. That was a single, but the album never came out for that. So the album for, um, uh, for Island Polydor, that one, they gave you guys, you had your stuff, you put, released it, but it didn't, it wasn't successful. No, no, no. So here's the thing. And this is, and this is why I was so amazed by what you said about uh, take six and being a part of that country thing. Because when we were at, when we were at Polydor, we had, uh, we were at Island, they had no black music division. So what they had back in the day was they would have black music divisions. Mm -hmm. MC, this is the black music division. Capital, this is the black music division. And so there was no black music division. It was literally everybody that was coming out, you know, uh, that was doing black music. It was really under this guy, Leotis Clyburn and a few other people. But it was like, we didn't have the whole black music division that could bring it out. Now, when we left two years later, Drew Hill did sign to Island with Hiram Hicks. They did have a black music division by that time. Okay. So our album was something where it was out there, but the machine that we were a part of didn't know. They didn't have the relationships, the black music relationships yeah. that needed in order to make it go at radio, in order to make it go. But shout out to BT. BT gave us some play. You know, radio gave us some play. But what we really needed in order to make it happen, we were like these, you know, four teenage boys singing about love in really an environment where everybody wasn't listening and tuned into black music, they were tuned into something else in yeah. their real lives, in their relationships. Yeah. Yeah. And I think when Drew Hill came out, they'd only merged with Def Jam. So they had the whole, they could pick it back off of that. And they had the soundtrack, you know, the um, 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 Rush Hour soundtrack. Right. So there was a whole big universal oh. machine. So that, that made a difference for them. Oh man, that was that was great for them, man. That was great for them. Shout out to Drew Hill, uh, my guy Nokio. Shout out to Stanley Brown, you know. And no, that's the, oh man, yellow Stanley. Yeah, he's he's back in the church as well. Brilliant man, brilliant. Stanley Brown is a minister of music at a church that's probably like five minutes from my house right now. Okay, okay. The church, okay. The, the church, yeah, Stanley, the, yeah. The, the church that he's minister of music at is around the corner from the church I'm a minister of music at. <laughs> okay, okay. I mean, you know, he goes all the way. Back to 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 whole Teddy and um, the Spider Man and Freeze and yes yes absolutely yeah okay I forget that he, yeah he he did say that um, Dave Hollister initially recorded a track and it, it was banging and then Harem saw the chance to sign these guys and had them sing it right away and then it went out that night it's the whole story about that yeah uh, yeah yeah. I heard about that. Yeah, and I think people forget that he did um, I'm Dreaming as well for Christopher Williams. Yes, he did, man. I think he was at a, a church called Pilgrim or some church in Brooklyn that he was at at the time when he came up with that. I think I, I spoke to him briefly about that, but you can let him tell you, man. It, it was quite an amazing... I mean, Stan, Stanley's just dope, man. Stanley's just dope. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, no, definitely. Um, Okay, so, okay, so when you guys came out with Ireland, were they just doing... Reggae, because I know we know Ireland in the UK for their reggae stuff. 
they had the reggae stuff. And by that time, they had some rock stuff going on. Mm, okay. A lot of rock, had a lot of rock groups. So you see the guys walking around, you know, and you'd be like, "Yeah, you're 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 a heavy metal A and R." I could tell. I could see. <laughs> you like that hardcore rock stuff, you know what I mean? And yeah, that's that's pretty much what was going on. Okay, so how disappointing was it when the album didn't really make it? Then how was how did how did you guys how did it affect you? Bro, I was so young. <laughs> I I don't think I really cared. I I think I, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie because I got to think back on it, and I knew everybody. So you know what it was? It was like there were two worlds that I was focused on. There was the world of the consumer and there was the world of the artists and producers. Mm -hmm. The artists and producers loved me. So it was literally like going to parties, navigating through the parties and having all of these people who I considered my heroes say, oh my God, yeah, oh, I love you, man. You're so dope saying that to me and I'm a kid and I'm like, yo, this is crazy. So I would be on cloud nine, you know, what I'm saying? <laughs> like I didn't focus as much on the general public. I didn't start focusing on the general public until the party tonight era. I was a little bit older now. I was in high school and I was a little bit, you know, and so I kind of understood things a little bit more. So I had a little bit more riding on that, but that first one, bro, we did that joint. And, you know, we we created the songs right in Queens in our houses and went to studios and did this. And next thing you know, we're signed and we're looking at BT. Oh, wow, that's us. And it was a big jump from being just in the hood to being on BET and then having uh, certain people know who you are in the music mm -hmm. industry. That was huge for, for me. I don't mm -hmm. know about them. But for me, I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> Did you get to meet jo jo that Jodeci at the time? Yes, I had met Jodeci. I, listen, bro, he wouldn't remember this. Casey wouldn't remember this. But I was going to a bad boy session. And um, I was going to the old hit factory. And um, I had never been to the new hit factory. Well, I had never been to the old hit factory. That's what it was. I had never been to the old hit factory, but it was still there. The old hit factory was still there. But then the new hit factory was like two blocks down or something like that, a block and a half, two blocks down. Mm -hmm. Oh, I, I walk past the hit factory, the new hit factory. I look in the lobby because it was nothing but glass. And I see Devante from Jodeci. He's just sitting there in a chair. And I said, Yo, that is Devonte from Jodeci right now. And then I look and I see Dalvin. He's talking to the dude at the counter. And then I see a dude with a snorkel jacket on with a hood on. And he had fur around the hood and he's walking around. And he might have had a 40 in his hand, like a like beer. You know what I'm saying? And I said, that's Jojo. I don't even have to see his face. I said, that's <laughs> Jojo. So I woke up the block. And I see a girl with a bad boy jacket on. It said bad boy entertainment. And at the bottom, it said the, 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 the last generation of bad MFs at on the bottom of it. And so I had the same jacket. All right. So I'm what I saw. Oh, 
this person will be able to tell me where the hit factory is because they have a bad boy jacket on. They would know. It's a guy and a girl walking. And I walk up and I say, excuse me, excuse me. Do you know where the old hit factory is? The girl didn't speak. The guy got his hat on low and he said, yeah, man, go right down there. Blah, they have a green awning. You can't miss it. And when he started talking, I said, oh, that's KC. That's KC. From they were on the corner. And I said, that's KC. From I, I knew based on, I said, all right, thank you. And I looked at the girl. It was Mary J. Blige. She oh. had the bad boy jacket on, you know? And I was like, wow. And I went into that studio. I said, bro, I just met, well, I just met KC. I just spoke to him, you know? And we had the same camp. I'll be sure that was the same camp. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we were able to run into each other. They were always complimentary of me uh, because they was like, yeah, that's the little tone. That's the guy. He's, he rock, you know, rock with Al and them. So ultimately we did a song. Uh, Al had me reference a song called Beautiful. I went in there and I had, you know, he said, yo, why, why don't you get Brian from the group? Lade, why don't you get him to come and sing this with you? And I said, yeah, B, come on. Let's reference this. Because it was like maybe like the eighth or ninth song I had referenced with Al. B, come on. B comes to the studio. We do this song called Beautiful. It was specifically written for the New York Undercover soundtrack sung by JoJo and KC. And they were still in Jodeci, but they were going to do this duo thing for the very first time. They were going to, I'm sorry, why is that happening? Did you see that? Yeah, it's a balloon, yeah. I have, I have a, listen, bro, I have a six-year-old and a seven-year-old, so I don't know what they do. <laughs> oh, that's perfect. You got to keep that in there. You got to keep that in there. You have yeah, to do it. Uh, shout out to my kids, man. But <laughs> listen, it, 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 having children keeps you young, and I love that. So yeah. That was perfect. That was perfect. I'm talking about my child. So, so ultimately, we do this song. And they come into the studio, Jojo and Casey come into the studio and um, they were listening, you know, to the reference. And it was like, all right, cool. So Jojo had to sing his part. Casey had to sing my part, you know, and um, they did it. You know, they did a, they did, a, they did a video for it, never came out, but it was on the New York Undercover soundtrack. But when that second album that La Day did after Party Tonight, which never was released, we actually used that song Beautiful on our mm-hmm. album. So people would have saw it as a remake of their song, but we had actually done it. Then they mm-hmm. did it. And then we were doing it again. Kyle West, I'll be sure. Wow. Wow. Uh, I mean, for you guys then, when you when you were when you were, you know, doing your 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 second album, um, what what how, why did you guys leave Highland though? Because the album did they yeah. Well, uh we left Island. Because everyone said, y'all need to be somewhere where there's a black music division. Y'all need to be somewhere where you do the music. Because at Island in Polydor, the only person that was really getting what we were doing and what was Leotis Clyburn. He's the person who signed us. He got us. He understood us. He was pushing for us. He didn't have, he did not have the support needed to get these groups all that they needed outside of once his job was done and he turned over a great album. Mm. Now it's time for the next crew of people in the next crew of people. 
you know, pub, uh, publicity in these, in promotion, in radio, and it was time for them to do stuff. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we needed that, you know, and so everywhere we went, it was like, um, yeah, that, you know, this is going to drive your viewers crazy. This is going to drive your viewers crazy, but there's a part of the story that I'm going to leave out. But what I'll say is this, um, there was a deal, man. There was a deal on the table right before the island deal. There was another deal offered to us where we would have had that type of backing, but everything happens for a reason. I can't say, but everything happens for a reason. And I'm, I'm glad everything happened the way it happened. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's so that's what it was. So you mean that you guys had a, an opportunity to be at a, at a at a more progressive label, but who made the decision to turn to, it down? To not, not do it. Um, James Manus. James Manus. I called you know uh, I called Jimmy a few months ago, maybe a month ago, and I said, Jimmy, I said I just want to let you know, man, you made the right decision. You know, because every now and then he would go back and say, ah, oh, you know, I wish. I would have took that deal, you know, blind. I say, nah, Jimmy, you made that absolute right decision because we're all where we are supposed to be today. Mm -hmm. All where we're yeah. supposed to be. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I don't believe in you know, no regrets. I don't believe yeah. in, any, you know, so I think back on all these days fondly, you know what I'm saying? But then how can you just walk away from a, a label if you've signed over to them unless they drop you? You have to know. You have to. You have to ask for a release. But why would they want to let go of you? Because they, we didn't see that this. <laughs> because we didn't. Because it was nothing really to hold on to. Like when you think about it, we had an album. The album um, didn't sell much. They didn't push it much, and it was kind of clear. This is a group. We don't get this group. We don't know how to. You know, this is in a whole category which we don't really have you know, any dexterity in and stuff like that. It just made sense. It made sense for everybody because if they holding on to us, what are they holding on to us for? Are they holding on to us to do another project that they wouldn't know how to promote and then put it out yeah. there? And then, yeah. So it just made sense. We got lawyers to ask for a release and um, we were granted the release. You can do that. You know, it, it depends on um, the label. You know, we didn't say we have another situation. Can you give us a release so we can jump right in? <laughs> like, if we would have said that, then it would have been like, no, we did have another situation. It was Al B and them. That was the situation waiting. We never said that. We just, I think we may have even told them we were disbanding. I don't know what we told them, but it was, it, it was just like, can we leave? You know, in these guys, uh, ultimately, we got the release. Because I remember the day we got the release, we were so happy. We went out and we celebrated and um, because we got the release. Now, at this time, then, what has Andre taken over at Motown? Ah, you are good, my friend. <laughs> you are good, my friend. Listen, so check this out. Full circle moment. Remember when I said when we were uh, years before that, we sent a demo <laughs> yeah, from the Motown Records and they never... We got signed originally through Albie Shores Absolute 
to Uptown Records. That's where we got signed, Uptown. First, we were at a party. I will never forget this. We were at a party. And uh, someone said, yo, you know, Orange Harrell's no longer going to be with Uptown. And we said, what? We're signed with Uptown. What's going to happen with us? And at that party, we found out Andre's taking you guys with him to Motown. Horace Brown mm. and Anthony Hamilton. Mm. We were the three. And Anthony was at that party. I don't know if he got that information like we got it, but um, and I you know, and I just want to say shout out to a woman by the name of Catherine Wilkes. I've never I haven't seen Catherine Wilkes since I was a teenager, but uh she gave me some advice. I was at the party and I was angry. Man, this is this is terrible. I dream <laughs> all these years of being on uptown records. Finally, we're gonna be late mates with with Jodice. Like we're gonna be, you know, this is it, you know. And um, I was sitting there by myself and Catherine Wills came up to me and said, what's the matter? And I said, I'm just, I'm angry because, you know, everything just changed. And, you know, and she said, the reason why you're mad, she said, and she was so right. The reason why you're mad, she said, is because she said, you see all these people? And I said, yeah. She said, you think they're in control of your destiny. And she said, they're not. She said, you have your own destiny. They're not in control of your destiny. So whatever your destiny is, it is that. And she said, mm -hmm. everybody is just a pawn. She said, and if they're going to help you get to your destiny, she said, they can't even do nothing about it. Don't worry about it. Do what you do. And I never forgot that to this very wow. day. Wow. When I walk into meetings and all that stuff, I don't walk into a meeting and say, my life is in your hands, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, it's yeah. not. My destiny is my destiny. What's going to happen is going to happen. Yeah. Whether I like it or not, whether you like it or not. So ultimately, just do what I do. Yeah. So, yo, we, we ended up, you know, so it was like, y'all going to be on Motown. And I grew up loving the Jackson 5, and I left that part out. Uh, but growing up, uh, you asked me about growing up in Queens. I used to listen to the Jackson 5 so much. They were before my time, but I had a high voice and so did little Michael Jackson. I'm going to tie this together. Um, and ultimately, uh, instead of toys for Christmas, I used to ask for Jackson 5 albums. Can you just wow. give me So I know everything about the Jackson 5, every B-side. I, I know the stuff that was on the other side of a single that never was on an album that you, mm -hmm. you can hardly... Oh, that song. You know what I'm saying? Um, and so I grew up looking at that logo, Motown. So I started getting excited. I started getting excited about the fact that, okay, we're not going to be on Uptown. We're going to be on Motown. And it's like, okay, all right, okay, all right, all right, cool, cool, cool. So, you know, it's like if somebody said, you're either going to be on Cash Money, but <laughs> Is, oh, we're gonna be on Cash Money. Oh, we're gonna be like Drake. We're gonna be like Nicki Minaj. But then they say, no, you're gonna be on Def Jam. And it's like, yeah, but it's not Cash Money. But then you start thinking about the legacy. Yeah. Of, and then you say, okay, I can get with this. <laughs> I can get with this. And that's how we felt about Motown. Well, that's how I felt about Motown. But I, I do wonder then, if because if you had stayed at Uptown, would they have signed so for real? 
So for real was already there. Ah, uh, okay. I'm only for so real was already, it was already there. So for real was okay. already there. We were gonna be okay. we were gonna label mates with so for real. So I guess it yeah. was gonna be like the temptations and the four tops. You know yeah, yeah. Because Heavy had it down with the with the self real with him with the money for he had the Lost Boys when he took over. So they still they still uh, um I spent about five hours talking to Jimmy Jam Jimmy 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 Love Jenkins Jimmy Jenkins oh you you spent oh man um, yeah they love Jimmy Jenkins Jimmy Jenkins shout out to him man <laughs> listen can I can I just take some time out and just say something about Jimmy Jenkins. Go ahead, something yeah. not going to say. It's something that a lot of people are not going to say. Bruh, there was a whole corner of the industry that talked just like him. Literally, they watched him. They watched his mannerisms. They watched his slang terms that he would create. People became him. Jimmy Jenkins literally was a guy that had all these executives walking, talking, dressing, trying to think like him. I went every other label was going to, they had a Jimmy Jenkins and they were trying wow. to be like, he they were trying to talk credit. like him. They were literally trying to talk like him, be like him. Jimmy Jenkins, you've seen Jimmy Jenkins. Yeah, yeah. Jimmy Jenkins swag. You've seen his swag on other people. That's wow. what I'm saying. There's other people that you've seen his swag on them. They're stars. You've seen his swag on those people. Okay? So shout out to Jimmy Jenkins, man. Yeah. No, Jimmy, he went through the whole uptown history and the stuff and <laughs> the whole uptown to Motown. Because, <laughs> we, we, you know, we as music fans, um, when Andre went to Motown, um, from the outside, I, I think the whole... Puffy and Bad Boy thing of like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna do to Motown what bad what Puffy did to Bad Boy and did the whole promo, spent a lot of money. Um I I you know, took G Wiz, I interviewed G Wiz from Heavy D and the Boys, took um, yeah. Big Bub, took took yeah. uh, Eddie F and yeah, but, yep. yeah, yeah, they but then it was it was the big balance because Kenny and the Whitehead brothers suffered as a result of all the stuff. So there was a lot of unsettledness, but how did yes. you find <laughs> the transition? Oh, man. That, that time at Motown? <laughs> <laughs> Bruh. Bruh. All right. So I'm going to tell you, man, I became really close friends with Jason Weaver. Okay. And really tight. Well, to this day, Jason, that's my man to this day. Because uh, Jason and I were around the same age. And Michael friends as well. Yeah. Um, Terrell Hicks. Uh, Darrell Hicks. Lover. I love that song. That's my distant lover. That's my that's my jam. The Teddy remix with uh, Sprague Doogie. Love. Oh my god! Yeah. Listen, Terrell is amazing to this very day. Shout out to Terrell. I still speak to Terrell. You know, um, our uh, our mothers. You know, um, have a similar thing that they're dealing with right now. You know, as they get older. So we, you know, talk about that from time to time. Shout out to her. Her mom and dad and uh, Veronica, her sister, in um Deatra, her her legendary uh singer, uh singer sister, you know, Deatra Hicks, you know. And um I became very close to a group called Shades. I became very close to 702. Uh, we toured together, we oh, did stuff. Yeah, 10. yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Mila. 15, yeah, yeah, 15 yeah, had Mila, yeah. Mila, yeah. 1,000%, you know, 1,000%. And um, they were, they were like some sisters, man. And uh, we were just a bunch of kids, you know. Uh, that's, what, that's what it was, man. We were just really a bunch of kids. And so I didn't understand what was happening at Motown until years later. I didn't understand it. You know, it was, um, Al B was there. Uh, we were signed to Motown through him, Absolute. And um, listen, we had a song called Five Words. That never, that was supposed to be our single, a song called Five Words. And um, man, it was a ballad. That was, we were looking at, we was like, yo, that's going to be our forever, my lady, you know? Um, and uh, sidebar, my uh, my boys were in uh, in uh, Atlanta recently in Nokio from Drew Hill came pulling up in his car, literally playing that song. He didn't even know he was going to run into them. He literally pulled up playing that song and said, bruh, look what I'm listening to. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Wow. So it was the thing, you know, ultimately we were rehearsing for the video because they'll go do some choreography and stuff. So one day, uh, Orange Jarrell came to our rehearsal and he said, yo, throw that party tonight on. They threw it on. He said, yo, this is going to be the single. We, we, were, we were out last night and we were playing it and we felt it was like, ah, you know, we were excited. So that's going to be you guys' single. So we, it took a moment to sing in as to what, you know, this is, <laughs> we, we were, you know, really kind of getting attached to this thing, man. And all right, so it's going to be party tonight, which was a, a full circle moment for me because uh, it was a sample of the Jacksons. Let me show you mm -hmm. the way to go. And mm -hmm. that was uh, Jacksons who they came up on Motown. And then I grew up on the Jackson 5. Like I grew up listening to Michael. So we had to get that cleared by the Jacksons. The Jacksons had to sign off on it. Michael had to sign off on it last. Wow. And he off on it and sent a note with it you know what i'm saying that he loved it that he loved the song and and all this stuff so that was huge you know that was like huge bro like that was bigger than like a hit record for me you know what i'm saying yeah yeah so ultimately um yeah man you know it was a lot of i i want to say infighting but but i but i can't really say it that because i wasn't at the meetings people who were at those meetings could tell you better than I could because we're the artists and yeah. we're away from the trenches and all, you know, that stuff going on. So we're just knowing that, okay, your single's been pushed back. Okay, we had this for the budget, but now it's going to be that. But we're just hearing the end result mm -hmm. of it, you know. Um, but yeah, yeah. man, we it, it, was, it, it was tough. And then they were going head to head with like Bad Boy. And there was a whole nother set of politics that was happening with that. They were fighting, from what I understand, over like the soul of New York radio. Who's gonna, you know what I'm saying? And that kind of thing. So, you know. Yeah. I mean, as I said, uh, you know, from the artist's point of view, spoken to some of the artists like, you know, Kenny, when he's come on show, but from the be behind the scenes, I've had G Wiz from Heavy, when he was one of the executives there, G Jimmy. He said Andrew went crazy when he went to Motown, <laughs> you know, but they, you know, um, and, and he said it, he said it, not me. He said yeah, it, not me. Yeah, he, no, he did. Yeah, he said it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Andrew went crazy when he just went to Motown. He did. And, 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 and G Wiz was, was saying, yeah, man, we spent too much on a lot of stuff. And, and, um, 
but then you you had some of the legacy artists um who were there prior to Andre coming in and it's like well we we didn't sign you so we're going to prioritize the guys we signed and it it was trying to get the right type of balance and and, and ultimately um you know you you it was you can't you know Mot uptown was something he built from bottom up you can't go into uptown motown and then try and you know you you have to take your time and he rushed it and stuff but i knew puffy was you know he was it it was a sense of man i need to compete with this guy how's it you know yeah yeah it, you know and let me just tell you man uh a small label like uptown a boutique label or however you want to characterize it is very different than a motown yeah. you know people like uh jason weaver was there you know before andre got there with love ambition and all that stuff um I spoke to Terrell. I believe Terrell told me she got signed to Motown before Andre Harrell in uh, that Uptown crew came. Yeah. The Whitehead brothers, yeah. you know, and then there were people like Johnny uh, Gill. Johnny Gill was there. Um, Boys to Men. Yeah, yeah. But here's another thing: Stevie Wonder was there. Yeah, Stevie was on the label. That's. See, because I'm a history person, to be able to say that I spent some time as a label mate of Stevie Wonder is crazy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, did you know Profile? Were they there when you were there? Profile? Yeah. Oh. Oh, oh they came with um, the Daniel Soul guy. What's his name? You, you're oh, talking about Kadar Massenburg. Kandar, they, they came yeah. oh. But they I'm going to tell you I'm gonna tell you who was there. Ninety-eight degrees. Okay, so that's what the voice men said. They took all their budget to put into ninety-eight degrees because they were trying to be the white version of um, the Motown version of. Um, uh, I keep it your Black, Black Boys. Who said that from Boys Men? Who said that? That was uh, Sean. All right, so you know what? Being that he let the cat out the bag, <laughs> I'm a, he's, he's right. He's a thousand percent right because it happened to us too. It happened to everybody. But he, but, but let me tell you what's funny. When we met 98 Degrees, they weren't out yet. Oh my gosh. Uh, they were talking to us about us. Talking to us about Jodeci. Talking to us about Boys and Men. Talking to us about Intro. So talking to they they love, stuff. Oh, they loved these groups. And they were just like, you know, they, they, they just wanted to talk about that stuff. You know what I'm saying? And it was dope. I mean, you know, but at the same time, you know, again, you had this situation where it's like, you hear, wait, what are they getting? What are they getting to do that? It's like, wait, how did they get that? How did that happen? How was that possible? You know, and then you're like, oh, it's coming up, you know, from way higher. And then it it, it was a lot, bro. So Sean's yeah. not, Sean is, Sean is, Sean is telling the honest to God true. Hey guys, thanks for watching. Thanks for being a part of Halftime Chat. Please remember to subscribe, share, and comment. But most importantly, why don't you become a member of Halftime Chat? We've got amazing videos, amazing perks, and um, being able to support the channel. But anyway, thanks for watching. Take care. I never participated in that category. Hey, somewhere in between. Or either loving us, or wish I did. I'm with you. Yeah, I've got to do it. I'll be sure. Boys are like growing up. It is.
Bible house.